good about this. There's a number on the wall for all of us, Angel. Neil Simon's Murder by Death. Meanwhile, a short, sinister man who looks exactly like Truman Capote is preparing a diabolical weekend for the greatest detectives in the world. Sidney Wang. Don't I think, Pop? Perfect place for a murder. Conversation uh, like a television set on honeymoon. Unnecessary. Dick and Dora Charleston. Yeah, would you walk now in the other way? My leg tends to look like a tree in this fog. Sam Diamond. I think we picked ourselves a queer bird, Angel. Anything else? He has no pinkies. No pinkies? You mean Twain has only got eight fingers? No, no, he's got ten. He just doesn't have any pinkies. As we join them, our five clue persons and their faithful companions are trapped in a mysterious old mansion where a fiendishly ingenious crime is about to take place. The victim is here at this very table at this very moment. And so too, ladies and gentlemen, is the murderer. It's the most stupid theory I ever heard. <laughs> One of us is a mad killer and not to be trusted. Knows how to stop that thing. Returning to the kitchen, Who are you? the blind butler encounters the dumb cook. Oh, you must be the new kitchen maid. And what has happened to the butler? The cook! Where's the cook? Two minutes to midnight. Gunshots, monsieur. Gunshots, Bob. Gunshots, Sam. Gunshots, Dickie. I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. I like it, but do not understand it. That can only mean one thing. And I don't know what it is. It means, are these five monumental minds any match for murder by death? Eileen Brennan, Truman Capote, James Coco. Peter Falk, Alec Guinness, Elsa Lanchester. The murderer is... David Niven. <laughs> Peter Sellers. Maggie Smith. Nancy Walker. Estelle Winwood. And Myron. Who is the one who done it in the number one who done it? Neil Simon's new comedy, Murder by Death. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Film and Water Podcast. I am your host, Rob Kelly, and joining me for this episode, we are going to be talking about the 1975 uh, mystery comedy, Murder by Death, is longtime nuclear sub, artist, musician extraordinaire, Luke Dobb. Luke, thank you for finally coming on one of the shows of the Fire and Water Podcast, family of podcasts. This, I am overjoyed to be a part of the show. So thank you for having me uh, on. Yeah, I mean, we've, you know, anybody who's listened to the regular show, Fire and Water, has heard Luke's songs and all these different, his feedback and stuff, but we've never actually had him on the show. So I am super excited to be here. Shag is very jealous. I'm very happy about that. Uh-huh. Uh, I, I will just start off because it was Luke that actually volunteered. He said to me over Facebook, if you ever want to do talk about murder by death, I want to do the show. 
And I, I've talked about that I love Murder by Death on Facebook occasionally. I'm assuming, Luke, that's where you saw it. But what made you want to reach out to talk about this movie? Oh, that's funny. I, I never saw that you talked about it. Oh, wow. Facing, so. Oh, geez. Okay, cool. <laughs> wow, serendipity. Um, so, so my history with this movie is that I saw it for the first time as a middle schooler at my friend's house. My friend Jessica Loomis, she and her family are were just such a creative and funny family. And they had us, me and my friends, over one time. And they were like, you guys got to watch this movie. So we watched this movie. And we were rolling on the floor laughing. Like, we, it was... It just hit all of our all of our senses of humor right in the sweet spot. Uh, so and and ever since that, this has been a movie that has constantly just been stuck in my head. I haven't actually. The funny thing is, I haven't seen it repeatedly like tons of times throughout my life. But it's it's just something that has always been stuck there in my brain, and I'll like I'll pull out these small moments from it uh, just out of the blue, and I'll just start laughing at it. So. So the the other day at work, um, I was I was just thinking about it again. It, it was just kind of popped back into my head again. I thought, oh my gosh, this movie's so funny. So I started asking my coworkers, "Hey, have you guys seen this movie?" And none of them have, had seen the movie, which right. kind of surprised me because as soon as I started listing out the cast, they were like, "Oh my, you know, oh my god, oh my goodness, I can't believe I, I haven't seen this movie with all these these greats in it." So I found the trailer. Or, or at least I found the the scene on, <laughs> online with the uh, with the mushroom story. Yeah, I guess. And yes. yeah, it's just like a two minute clip uh, on YouTube, and like I think my coworkers thought I was crazy, but I played it for them. They they chuckled a little bit at it, but I was like dying laughing. So then I thought, like, you know what? I'm gonna just stream this in the background while I'm working today. So I found the movie and. The whole thing is actually available on YouTube to stream. Wow. And <laughs> yeah. And I, uh, so I started playing it in the background and I just started cracking up so hard that I couldn't even hold my mouse or my, my tablet pen <laughs> steady anymore. So at that point, I was like, okay, I got to stop. I can't watch this and work. It's ineffective. And that was just the point that I thought, hey, Rob's got that the podcast, the film and water podcast. I should, uh, I should see if he wants to talk about this. Cause I, I love this movie and it just makes me, me laugh so hard every time I see it. <laughs> yeah. That's when I shot out the, the notice to you. So when, yeah, when you replied back, I was super ecstatic. Yeah. I mean, this is, I, I would put this in probably like my top 10 favorite movies. Uh, I mean, I just <laughs> love murder Death. for anybody who hasn't seen it. And it's probably a lot of people actually, I'll give yeah. a brief, brief overview of the plot. It's basically said it's, it's it's written by Neil Simon. He wrote it directly for the screen. It's not wasn't a play or anything. First, uh, it's about an eccentric millionaire played by Truman Capote, the Truman Capote, <laughs> in his one and only film role. Truman Capote is in this movie, and he uh, issues a challenge to all the great detectives of the world to solve a murder mystery, and he lures them all to his uh, secluded mansion. And uh, the detectives that show up are Sam Diamond, played by Peter Falk, and his uh, assistant, Tess Skeffington, played by Eileen Brennan. 
uh, Jessica Marbles, played by Elsa Lanchester, the Bride of Frankenstein. The Bride of Frankenstein is in this movie. Um, her her maid, uh, played by Estelle Winwood, uh, Dick and Dora Charleston, played by David Niven and Maggie Smith, Sidney Wang, played by Peter Sellers, and his son uh, Willie Wang, played by Richard Narita. <laughs> yeah, just the names right there. And uh, uh, Miso Milo Perrier, played by James Coco, and his manservant. Uh, Marcel, played by James Cromwell. Now, anybody who's listening to this can figure out these are obviously parodies of famous movie detectives. Uh, Nick and Nora, Charles from The Thin Man, uh, Charlie Chan, Sam Spade, and Hercule Poirot, and uh, Miss Marple. It, plus, also, uh, working in the, the creepy house with Truman Capote is the butler, uh, played by Alec Guinness. Sir Alec Guinness. Beautiful. Is in this movie playing Benson Mum. Uh, <laughs> yeah, again with the silly names. And then yes. there's, a, there's a cook played by Nancy Walker who is uh, mute and deaf. And yes. it, this is it, this is low comedy done by very high people. <laughs> I mean, these are, you know, like you, you know, like I said, this cast is an amazing cast. And yet yeah. there's, this movie has funny faces, funny names, Pratt falls. I mean, it's sort of this weird combo of, like I said, low humor done by people of very sophisticated tastes. I mean, there's dick jokes, there's poop, you know, it's like kind of amazing. <laughs> But um, yeah, I saw this movie uh, like on television at some point because I was okay. I was too young to see it in the theater, and it I like you, it just struck me, it just struck me right on my funny bone. I was just like to just laugh this, and and I've always loved it, and every time it would run on television, I would watch it, and then I can distinctly remember one time where I was I was, uh, the local station was running it here, and during a commercial, I called uh, one of my best friends at the time to tell him he should watch this movie. Because I thought, oh, he'd love it because it's the same thing, you know, same kind of humor. So I call him, and he's like, I can't talk right now. I'm watching this great movie. <laughs> I said, well, what is it? He goes, Murder by Death. I'm like, oh, my God. So we hung up the phone and watched the It is just, uh, yeah, it is just because it's so silly. Why, why, why do you love it so much? Well, I think the sense of humor to me, like anybody who knows me knows that I'm a huge fan of the Muppets. In the early Muppet Show, and this is this is that sense of humor. Yes, like this is, is exactly what you would see. It's just it's puns all over the place, uh, absurdity, silliness, and uh, yeah, it's there's it's just good, clean, hilarious humor with with plenty of subtle, like you know, not so clean stuff too, where you can really get a good snicker at it too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's like a great gag about like you know he said Sam Sam Diamond is Sam Spade and he's all this rough and tumble guy and he talks about <laughs> I mean this is Peter Falk you know in 1975 who was probably in his 40s and he talks about my kid brother died that way he would have been 63 next Tuesday <laughs> like what like it's just kind of absurd Truman and like I said Truman Capote plays Lionel yep. pl- plays Lionel Twain and again like Truman Capote just seems beamed in from another universe. Uh, yeah, because totally. he's just so strange, and he talks about that he's seventy six, and they're like, "How are you seventy six? And he's like, "You know, uh, what, his answer is like a complete vegetable lots diet, of vegetables. <laughs> lots of vegetables, uh, twelve hour sleep a night, and lots and lots of makeup." Lots of makeup. <laughs> <laughs> it's so like, uh, I I am afraid that this episode is probably just going to be the next 15 to 20 minutes of Luke and I just talking about scenes that we love. I mean, the thing about Murder by Death is I feel like you either get it or you don't. Like, I don't mean get it like it's not goes above you, but like you either think it's funny 
Or you don't think yeah. it's funny. I don't know too many people in between on this movie. People either tend to love it or they go, that movie's not funny. But it's, uh, I mean, it, it really does uh, accurately spoof, you know, these famous detectives. You know, it, it yeah. kind of gets all of their little things, you know, their little character bits back and forth. I mean, in terms of like Hercule Poirot's sort of snobbiness about, you know, he's constantly talking about that. He's, and he's keeps accused of being, um, being French. Same, same time keeps calling him Frenchy. And he's like, I'm not a Frenchy. I'm a Belgie. You know? Right. Like, and like I said, James Cromwell is Marcel who, you know, James Cromwell later on for this huge career with Babe and LA Confidential and all these movies. But here he is. Yeah. As you know, and it's funny too. In this movie, they call him one of the strongest men in the world, even though he's right. like a complete beanpole. I mean, he's yeah. just tall. He's not necessarily strong. Now, when you saw this movie for the first time, were you familiar with with these characters that it was parodying? Uh, no, not at all. That's interesting. In fact, so the humor still worked yeah. for you, even though you weren't really humor, yet. Yeah, because the humor was was just silly. I think the fact that they were parodies didn't really matter a whole lot to me as a little kid. I think that's one of those things like. You know, with a lot of shows that are written on multiple levels for kids and adults as well, like you can kind of keep going back to it uh, throughout your life. And every every time you watch it, you peel back another layer. Uh, I think that's the way that this movie's been for me in some ways, especially with like the the spoof of these uh, these famous detectives. And, you know, for me, like I love uh, it's it's only been in in real recent years that I've uh, gotten into some of the Miss Marple stories by Agatha Christie and some of the Hercule Poirot. Uh, so like going back and watching this movie and seeing all those extra, you know, tidbits that they've brought in from the, those characters is really funny. I, I love the way that at the end of the movie, it sort of ends up being a slight critique by the writer of, uh, of those murder genres and those murder authors and the way that they, uh, they kind of lead their, uh, their readers falsely along sometimes introducing last minute characters. And, you know, at the very end of the film, I don't want to give too much away. Oh, no, no. We don't have to worry about that. We can spoil it. It's fine. I mean, it's, it's a murder mystery, but you really can't take the murder mystery terribly seriously. Yeah. Truman, uh, Lionel Twain accuses them all. And he says, you know, about, uh, you, you, you people would introduce the uh, clues that were never a character. They're never in the book before. And he talks about clues. And, yeah, it does sort of poke fun at mystery writers in general. And I mean, because in this movie, these are real detectives, but they are also characters that apparently appear in books because right. he, he talks about that, uh, you know, that he retains all the paperback and movie rights to this story. <laughs> yeah, that's a great line. <laughs> he's like, they'll be celebrating. He's like, they'll be selling your paper, but your dollar. I think he says like your three ninety nine hardcovers for twelve cents. <laughs> <laughs> so, is there is there um, is there a duo that you particularly like the best out of all the the detectives? Uh, I mean, the, to me, the funniest is Peter Falk. As Sam Diamond, because yeah. he gets a lot. I mean, and if you if you've ever seen this movie on uh, DVD on the sleeve, he is the main picture. I think they sort of figured that he was sort of the main draw. He to me, he gets the majority of the funny lines, and his stuff is just insane. I mean, he just says insane yeah. things. I mean, he talks he's about got the, the, some of the best lines. For yeah, sure. I mean, his he's always insulting his his uh, girlfriend Miss Skeffington, played by Eileen Brennan. I mean, you know, he talks about <laughs> that he he's like I owe Miss Skeffington. You know, 400 weeks of back pay. And she's like, oh, I don't care about that, Sam. And he's like, neither do I. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, I think my favorites, though, were probably, uh, ironically enough, um, David Niven and Maggie Smith as Dick and Dora Charles. And it's funny. 
I okay. had I had never seen any of the Thin Man movies when I saw Murder by Death. I just they were part of the culture. I knew what they were, but I didn't. And then okay. later on, later on, I went to see. I found the Thin Man movies, and I love them all six of them. And I am like the hugest William Powell Murdoch fan in the world. I've seen all their. They did fourteen movies together. I've seen every one, and it's sort of fun. Oh, wow. It's sort of fun to watch David Niven and Maggie Smith parody them. So, you know, it's it's funny. It's it's parody, but it's kind of warm parody. It's not nasty. It's yeah. not it's it's you know, it's it's sending it up, but it's doing it with love and affection. I've always heard the the idea that like you can't truly parody something unless you love it. You can't really get inside yeah, of it and, and and you know, really understand what makes something good. Therefore, you can parody it unless you really really love it yourself. And I think Neil Simon as much as this is a fairly broad movie, uh, I think he loves all these characters. I mean, he probably grew up with a lot of these books and uh, plays and stuff, and so it, it is a very affectionate thing. And, and speaking of Myrna Loy, she was actually offered the part of Dora Charleston in this movie to spoof herself, right. and yeah. she turned it down. <laughs> Apparently, Catherine Hepburn was going to be in the movie too, uh, and she turned it. She yeah. was going to do it and then changed her mind. I cannot picture this movie with those two. I feel like it would just. Kevin, I know Kevin Catherine Hepburn. This movie would just throw it off its axis. I mean, she's so such a huge star. Yeah, I know. Isn't that amazing? How just that those casting changes probably changed this movie one hundred percent. You know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it, it. I think just having somebody of of their. I mean, having Myrna Loy parody herself, I think, might have just been weird. But having Maggie Smith do it. You know, it has that extra level of reserve. Like, okay, this is a Myrna Loy type, but it's not actually Myrna Loy. Uh, I mean, and the other yeah. thing too is uh, Peter Sellers as Sidney Wang. I, it like I can't, I can't excuse the humor because a lot of it's kind of just racist because it's a lot of jokes about <laughs> what, what are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all about. Yeah. I mean, he's always telling these goofy Charlie Chan aphorisms with the you know. Uh, what what is it? Uh, oh, what is the thing about? Yeah, conversation is like TV on honeymoon, <laughs> unnecessary. <laughs> I mean, Peter Sellers just did not worry yeah. about that kind of stuff. So, so I read that Peter Sellers actually um, didn't think the movie was going to be a hit. Like he was, he was during the filming of it, he thought it was going to be a flop, and he actually uh, convinced his agent to sell over their their rights to the uh, the the sales on the movie. Yeah, he sold. He got rid of his points, and that ended up yeah, he being got rid a of his points. Giant mistake because the movie was a was a big hit. Uh, I mean, it was yeah. a real big success. There's there's actually a quasi sequel called The Cheap Detective, which is directed by the right. same same guy, uh, Robert Moore, and it features uh, Eileen Brennan and it features Peter Falk. He's not playing the same character, but he's playing a basically Sam Spade type. It also features okay. James Cromwell. I've never seen it. Have you? No, I didn't even know it was a thing until I was doing research for this show. So now I have to go dig that up because yeah. it's got James Coco in it and everything too. And that's, yeah, yeah. Now I really, yeah. I do want to say I, it's one of those movies. Like, how have I never gotten around? To, I've been loving this movie for twenty five years. How have I never gotten around to, to seeing it? Um, there's a there's a bunch of other little funny bits. There's a there's a doorbell that Lionel Twain has that every time you ring it, it's a woman screaming, uh, and that scream is Fay Ray from King Kong. That's her scream. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, it's it's every time you. And they get a ton of mileage out of running gags uh, because yeah. it's like oh, the, first. the first time they play the, the the scream, you know, they're like, someone's being murdered. And they're like, oh, no, no, it's the doorbell. And then you hear it again later and Alec Guinness is like, ah, oh, the doorbell. He just takes it in stride and it's this woman screaming. Right. Um, we should mention – And then Al- a real woman is screaming. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. That it's then it's actually Eileen Brennan screening. We should mention Alec Guinness. Like I said, he plays James Sir Benson Mum. Yes. Uh, which they get a lot of mileage out of that too with the the funny name. While he was making this movie, um, he got uh, a message from this young guy named George Lucas, who wanted yes. to who wanted to meet with him and had a script that he wanted yeah. Alec Guinness to read. Yes. And Alec Guinness was kind of like, it's this sci-fi thing. What do I want to do this for? And it was it was the director, Robert Moore, had seen American Graffiti and said, this guy, this kid's talented, Alec. You should take this meeting. And it was while he made this movie that they had the meeting. Lucas pitched him the character. And apparently during his off scenes, he was reading the script for Star Wars while making this movie. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. <laughs> I think that's one. I think that's just one of the reasons too that I loved it so much as a kid, because um, you're just sitting there and you're thinking, "Oh, oh my gosh, that's Obi Wan Kenobi yeah. <laughs> on that screen playing a blind butler." Yeah, but I have to. I have to say his his opening scene where he is stamping those envelopes <laughs> is one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie because he is putting those stamps down with such certainty that he is stamping them in the right place. Like, to where they focus on, the final stamp goes down, and he pounds it with his fist. <laughs> Clearly having missed every envelope. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and they do the whole bit about, he's like, you know, the, the Willie Wank says, why would you hire a blind butler? And uh, Sidney Wank says, oh, how much butler? butler how much butler? No, he get paid. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, of course. It's not the most sophisticated movie in the world. But like I said, it's done with such a – it's such done with such charm that it, I feel like it works. I've seen other movies that have kind of similar dumb humor and I don't like them. But this one just always makes me laugh. I think it's because of the, the sophistication of the actors and actresses in it that it – you know, that it, it does play up that stupid humor – it's uh, you know, it's just one of those things where you get the right people in there, and and you can dress up silly humor like that into something quite uh, quite profound and wonderful. Yeah, I, it's, it says something about you know the the heft of uh, the pull that Neil Simon had that he could get this cast yeah. for this kind of a movie. And, and honestly, I I kind of happen to find this sort of sense of humor, and maybe it's just because I like it and I'm waxing my own car, but I think this is a. a a sort of sophisticated, intelligent sense of humor because it it, it is a lot of wordplay. Uh, it's a lot of you know. There's there's certain elements of thought that have to go into it. So many of these gags go by so quickly. Like you can watch it back to back and get a different line every time out of a scene. Uh, so to me, I, I actually find it to you know it's it's not just stupid humor. There's there's an element of grace to the uh, to the wordplay and the silliness about it. Yeah, I mean, oh, the the, the part where that's it's when Alec Guinness is introducing himself to Dick and Dora, and he's explaining that his name is James Sir Benson Mum because Dick is like James Sir, and he goes, "Your name is James Sir, right. James Sir Benson," and then then she says Benson, and he goes Benson Mum, and she's like, "Your name is Benson? No, Benson Mum," and then. Dick, Dick, Dick keeps going with it, and then and then Dora goes, uh, "Oh, forget it, Dickie. I'm tired." <laughs> like even she's going tired of this bit. So yeah, and and that that to me is like a great example of the sort of scene that that has a certain a certain level of you know that great wordplay, which I I I enjoy a lot. I I love punning terrible you know bad humor like that where it's it's so bad that it actually ends up being good. 
Yeah, I hope I don't. I don't want anyone who's hearing this that hasn't seen it makes it sound like I'm. It's not Dumb and Dumber. You know what I mean? It's not that kind of thing. It is. It is. Yeah, you're right. It is very sophisticated in terms of the wordplay, and of course, you would expect nothing less from Neil Neil Simon. But yeah, it right. does have that kind of sort of just uh, lilt to it almost. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a great bit where uh, <laughs> where they um, Hercule Poirot, I call Hercule Poirot, Michel Perrier keeps right. every time they find a dead body, he keeps saying, <laughs> "Don't touch nothing," and he keeps saying that to all of them. And then at one point, he just says it one too many times, and. Uh, uh, Jessica Marble says, you know, I'm tired of you telling us to touch nothing. We're all sophisticated criminologists. We know not to touch nothing. And then he retorts something and she just goes, up yours, fella. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's when it's sprinkled with, uh, with asinine comments like that that it's all the better, too. Because yeah. you've got this great wordplay and then suddenly they just throw in something stupid like that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, yeah. one thing uh, we, we should mention, I've, I've sort of, I've given a short shrift. As a mystery... It's a pretty good mystery. Like, the, oh yeah, the, the 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 initial murder. What happens is, it said Lionel Twain says a murder is going to be committed, and one of you at this table did it, and you have you have twelve hours or whatever until midnight. Until midnight, that's what it is. You have until midnight to solve it. And as a mystery, it's pretty. I mean, you know, Neil Simon doesn't really play fair necessarily. And there's, like I said, there's a ton of gags put in. I mean, there's something I mentioned on the the, the Twitter feed about where. Um, uh, Lionel Twain keeps insulting uh, Wang, saying, "Why is such an experienced criminologist can't say his goddamn pronouns?" Because right. <laughs> he keeps saying, "What meaning of this?" <laughs> and but I mean, in terms of like the first the, the spoiler alert, the scene where the first murder happens is kind of ghoulish. Like it's done oh, yeah. with, uh, like the, when you first realize who's been killed, it's pretty kind of scary. Yeah, it changes the tone of the film. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Yeah, I mean, it's there's a, like a loud scream and there's like a nice music crash and it's like, wow, okay, there's actually some, you know, some real stuff going on here amid all the silliness. Right. Yeah, it certainly wasn't who I expected it would be uh, when, uh, well, can we say it? That, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. That uh, Lionel Twain is the one who's murdered at midnight. Right. Oh, by the way, I love it, just in the opening sequence the uh, the gloved hands doing all the things that would happen in a murder mystery mm-hmm. setting the cl- setting the clock back uh, snipping the phone cord those just those moments are it's just so great they're they're all the cliches you want to see in your little murder mystery movie yeah yeah oh and I love it when you mentioned said Lionel Twain's the one he said he's the one who says there's going to be a murder and one of you yep. is the murderer and then he's the one ends up getting murdered and of course they're all like well wait a minute how's that possible why would he and one of the other detectives has a theory, and he says he murdered himself. He was such an egomaniac that he was willing to kill himself to pull one over on all of us. And I love that Sidney Wang is like, only one problem with theory, yes, is stupid, <laughs> is most stupid theory I've ever heard. <laughs> the, the introduction with, uh, with Wang is, is also one of, one of my favorite scenes in there, too, where uh, Dickie is... He pulls over to the car, or he walks up to the to Wang's car as it's driving past, and the car stops, and the window rolls down, and you see Dicky kind of poke his face into the window, and he says, uh, "Excuse me, I'm looking for a white Wang." <laughs> and then it's Willy Willy Wang is like a white Wang, <laughs> a white Wang. <laughs> what? Oh, and I what I love about Willy too is you couldn't have a more OG pop all American apple pie. Uh, Japanese son, yeah. For for such a 
uh, over-the-top Asian character that Wang is. Yeah. Because he's all like, oh, gee, Pop. <laughs> yeah, this movie does, you know, it's it's ostensibly set in the 1970s. Uh, because they right. talk about uh, paperback costs and everything else, and you see stamps that are from like the 1970s, and yet this movie does feel like it's from it, it's really from the 40s because they're driving old cars, and right. just the whole tone of it feels like it's from the 40s. But of course, like I said it really, they never come out and say it's the 70s, but it it, it really kind of has to be. But it does have that just completely out of time feel to it because yeah, Richard Narita playing Willie Wang. And again, as I've mentioned on other episodes of the show and even on the Fire and Water podcast, I love any movie that has people from MASH in it. Because as a kid I always watched MASH and I've spotted <laughs> MASH actors. Richard Narita yeah. was in one episode of MASH and so was James okay. Cromwell. He was in one episode of MASH. So I was always able to spot perfect. those guys. I was like, oh they're both from from, from MASH. See now to me, Maggie Smith is the one that kind of jumps out as like, oh my gosh. Harry Potter. I oh, say that's funny. Or, there you go, Harry Potter. Harry Potter, or uh, she was uh, Wendy in Hook, which was another childhood favorite movie. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's I, well, we watch uh, Downton Abbey, and she's of course in that. Oh yeah, she's know, wonderful in that show. Yes, she is. Uh, although I have to say, I've dropped. I've kind of stopped watching that show. Okay. Oh, got well. a little, got a little tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the, good show though. Don't let the lady dowager hear you say that. Yeah, I won't let her. Throw some withering glance in your direction. Uh, Now, Peter Sellers was, he was a great guest on The Muppet Show. He had a great spot on The Muppet Show as well. I'm trying to think if um, James Coco, he seems like he would have been a guest on The Muppet Show, but I don't remember. He was in a lot of those. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he was in The Muppet Show, because he was that, he was fairly famous at the time. You know, I mean, uh, you know, he was one of those kind of genial kind of comedian. So yeah, I, we have to find that out. Such a good, such a good blend of just humor styles. I, is that like, is, it, it seems like this sort of writing just doesn't happen anymore. Do you know of any, any modern movies that, that employ this type of comedy? Cause I, I feel like I don't see this anymore. No, I mean, I would say that probably the, the, the kind of version of this movie that, that younger people are more familiar with is clue, uh, which right. is a similar setting. That's still pretty old. Yeah, that's that's only ten years ten years more recent than than Murder by Death. Right. And uh, funny enough, uh, Eileen Brennan is in both. She's the only actress, the only actor to appear in both films. Yeah, right. Um, yep. Yeah, Clue yep. Clue had a bit of that, but yeah, I would I would say the Clue is not as sort of witty and sophisticated as Murder by Death. So yeah, no, this is kind of a you know it, it said it, it is a relic of a of a time gone past, and I think most again most of these actors are are, are sadly no longer with us. Uh, right. but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it, it, it was a movie out of time at, you, even at the time, but it's probably even more so now. Now, do you think that the style of comedy, do you think that the style is, is not with us anymore because it was so, um, like clearly this movie does a great job with poking fun at stereotypes. You've got your Asian stereotype. You've got your French stereotype, Belgian, you know, Belgian your, stereotype. Your Bel- sorry, sorry. But yeah, I, do you think that this style of comedy I mean, clearly it, it relies very heavily on that. Do you think that that's one of the reasons we don't see that kind of style anymore? I mean, it, it, it even makes me think of like the, what is it, the, the celebrity roast, the Johnny Carson celebrity roast and that kind of, you know, yeah, that brand. I, you know, I never thought of it, but I think you're right. Yeah, I think it, part of it is it does trade on stereotypes that I think younger audiences would just feel like are so dated. It, it does, it, it, it's very vaudeville. I mean, it's got a real yeah. vaudeville kind of thing. I mean, Neil Simon was kind of had that in him. So yeah. I think that's kind of a, a, a style that's just sort of 
been put in the past as a relic. I think if anybody tried to do, you know, I mean, I still laugh at Abbott and Costello. I still genuinely laugh, not, yeah. not a laugh of nostalgia, a laugh of, I genuinely think, you know, a lot of their stuff is still very funny, but it's, yeah, I think it's, it's, um, well, it's, it's a brilliant, it's brilliant comedy. I mean, it's lasted this long for a reason. Yeah. But nobody, nobody's trying it though. I mean, nobody knew. Like, I mean, yeah. you, you haven't seen any new comedian come out and try and do who's on first or something. It's, it's, you know. So yeah, I think that's right. And also, this, these characters. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you know you didn't know these characters. You were just laughing anyway. But I think part of it is right. is that these are playing on types that aren't as familiar anymore. I mean, people don't yeah. read mystery novels as much now. Maybe you could do. I don't know. Could you? I mean, I I also feel like the the sort of maturity level of parody. When you hear something's a parody, you think it's one of those not another this movie, you know, not another teen right. movie, and that's just scary movie. Yeah, you know, number and three. Yeah, and, and that makes people kind of roll their eyes because those movies tend to be like a sort of gross out as they can be, and this movie is not that. So I think that might be part of it too. I mean, maybe you could do, I mean, maybe superheroes nowadays could be that part of that much part of the collective unconscious. Could you make a superhero movie like this? I don't know. Um, but it's, yeah. this is, this is recalling an era where everybody had read probably an Agatha Christie novel at some point in their life, or everyone had yeah. seen a Thin Man movie. And I don't think you have that anymore where you can point. That's to some, true. Maybe it's, you know, maybe think, we're just too diverse in, yeah. in interests and entertainment that, yeah, that there's there's not a small pool that everybody is you know playing in anymore, and yeah, I, that's interesting. That's a good yeah, thought. I think that I think that probably hmm. what it what it could be. Um, a couple of things I wanted to mention before we we wrap it up because I said I could just go on and on about how much I I love this movie. The poster is by Charles Adams from the Adams Family. Again, Neil Simon. Oh, really? Could could, could really you know, call in some serious <laughs> favors. And that's the and you see it over the opening credits. All those little cartoons are by Charles Adams. So it was like you know seriously a heavy hitter. Oh, that's great. Uh, and the poster is yeah. beautiful. I mean, it says all has a has a you know little um, caricatures of everybody. And over the credits, you see everybody's eyes shifting. Even though they're little cardboard cutouts, everybody's eyes right. are shifting back and forth, looking suspicious. The only person whose eyes do not shift is Sam it's Diamonds. Beautiful. Peter Falk, because he only had one real eye. So see, the movie's not above even making that joke. Um, and then in terms of in terms of um, uh, detectives, uh, there is of course uh, other than Batman, uh, who was not quite part of the public consciousness as much in 1975. There's one other famous detective who is not listed, of course, and that is Sherlock Holmes. And even right. a, even as a kid. I was like, where the hell is Sherlock Holmes in this movie? Why isn't there Sherlock Holmes in this movie? Well, he is in this movie. He um, is. He is. There is a deleted scene uh, that was only shown when the movie was shown on television and only then in occasional screenings. At the end of yeah. the movie, uh, as Sidney Wang and everyone is leaving uh, Lionel Twain's house, here comes an old car coming the other direction. They pull over, and it is, in fact, Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and they are looking for <laughs> Lionel Twain's house. And uh, Wang, uh, the son, Willie, is about to tell them, you know, well, don't go there because – and Wang, Wang cuts him off, and he says, oh, no, it's down the street, 2 Twain's house. And they drive <laughs> off, and Willie says something to the effect of, why didn't you tell him that it's, it's all a gag? And he goes, let those idiots find out for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so I have never seen that scene. I read about it when I was doing again when I was doing research for this. I had no idea. Have you seen this scene? It's on YouTube. It's oh. on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. You can <laughs> well, find it. Maybe had I dug a little deeper. 
Well, there's there's actually a couple of deleted scenes, and you can find them all on YouTube. I think they were on some special edition DVD, and I think somebody just went and posted them all. But yeah, there's that scene, and it was shown. It used this was back in an era where sometimes show movies that ran on you know UHF stations would show longer versions. They had scenes made, and sometimes they wouldn't. So every time I would watch Murder by Bat, Murder by Death, sometimes I would see the scene, sometimes I wouldn't see the scene, and I'd be like, "Am I losing my mind?" Right. Wasn't there wasn't there Sherlock Holmes in the end of this movie? And according to IMDb's trivia, and sometimes we don't know if that stuff's accurate because I think it's written by dope fiends sometimes. That apparently the original ending was that Sherlock Holmes showed up and solved the mystery, and the oh, other really? the other actors objected to that because it made them look passive. <laughs> in their own in their own movie, and so that whole thing was cut out, and the only scene that's left is that final bit at the end. So Sherlock Holmes does appear uh, as a gag, and it always led me to think, well, you know, you could do a sequel to Murder by Death, but you know, I, I guess that obviously never going to happen. Well, but you know, that. you could do Batman, Sherlock Holmes. I don't know who other famous detectives there might be, but you know, you could do. Yeah. I guess with all the mystery novels out there, you get Sue Grafton. I guess she's got a cat. You know, any of those people. You know, Nancy Drew, Hardy Boys. Nancy, there you go, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys. <laughs> Boys. I'd I'd go I'd go see that. I'd watch that. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, watch I'd watch that. that. So after I after I shouted out to you over Facebook, hey, let's talk about this movie. I suddenly had this panic attack. Like I don't know a lot about this movie. I just like laughing at this movie. So it was actually kind of a fun exercise for me to to dig up some of these uh, these factoids about this film because there's so much to that I had no idea about. But yeah, it kind of kind of gave me a, a reason to uh, to fear like oh no i'm gonna be on a podcast talking about a movie i've only seen a handful of times but it's made me laugh really hard i'm just gonna be sitting here going ah it's funny <laughs> it makes you want to watch it again yeah i uh, i listen to it at work probably once every couple of weeks because uh, you know i there there's a there's a you said you can listen to it on YouTube, and there's other sites that post the audio, yeah. and it's it always puts me in a good mood. It just makes me smile. It's just that it's just really, really funny and silly, and very affectionate towards these characters. And like I said, and the murder mystery is pretty good, you know. And it doesn't overstay yeah. its welcome. I think the film is only about 95 minutes. Yeah, it it, it wraps up before you might kind of get sick of it or just feel like, all right, I've I've seen all this. And I said, and it's an amazing cast. I mean, again, you've got the Bride of Frankenstein, you yeah. know, for God's sakes, and. Ben Kenobi and you know Peter Falk and again Truman Capote in his one on-screen yeah. film appearance oh. is just unbelievable. Yeah, getting all those people together in one room is and, and just watching them perform together is is something to to behold. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, a lot right. of talent. Yes, so I guess we should wrap it up here. Unless Luke, do you have anything else you want to say about Murder by Death before we sign off? I think. Well, the last thing that was just coming to mind, and I don't know, maybe maybe I don't want to tell every scene to everybody, but uh, Sir Alec Guinness gives. And a, a really fun performance at the very end of the film uh, when he he's accused of being one persona after another. Right. And as he's performing, he, he his countenance shifts from one character to another. So <laughs> so you watch him behave as one character and then they're like, oh, no, but you were really so and so from such and such. And, you know, you watch him as an actor, then suddenly take on a new uh, a new role. His body language shifts and. <laughs> Uh, he, he speaks with, you know, just a different tone in his voice. And it's just such a fun moment at the end as, as you're watching the, the full mystery unveil and, and uh, Guinness, you know, giving this really fun performance. For a guy that you sometimes heard I mean, he can take himself a little seriously, it's fun to watch him just be completely goofy. Especially if you're a Star Wars fan and you just know him from 
you know, being your wise Obi-Wan Kenobi, seeing him play this role is, is a real hoot. All right. Excellent. Well, said so that's going to that's gonna do it for Murder by Death. I said Luke and I just love this movie. And, and even though we've ruined a bunch of the jokes for you, if you haven't seen it, go see it. It's a lot of fun. And he said it's it's an amazing cast of actors. So, Luke, I, yeah, thank you so much for doing this. Thanks for, for reaching out. I'm so glad I got a chance sure. to talk about this movie because I just love it. And uh, thanks for coming on and doing the show. This hopefully will not be the only time you come on the, the Film and Water podcast. Thanks and, for having me. You're welcome. Thank you very much for doing it. And again, everybody, as always, if you want to shoot an email to the show, it's firewaterpodcast.net. Please follow our Twitter, which is Film and Water Pod over on Twitter. You can get in the whole discussion on there. And uh, again, thanks, Luke, for coming on. And until the next episode, that's a wrap. Pop? Yeah? Who do you think is the murderer? Must sleep on it. We'll know in morning when we wake up. But what if you don't wake up? Then you did it.